As Father mentioned, today is the memorial of St. John Vianney, patron saint of priests, of all priests, and one of my personal patrons. Well, I don't really have a choice if I'm becoming a priest, but I also chose him on top of that. I first read his biography nine or ten years ago. I remember, remember finishing it when I was sitting in the chapel in Idaho Falls, Holy Rosary Church, beautiful church. The Blessed Sacrament was exposed, and I was sitting there reading, and that's, that's when I finished it, and I, I was really inspired by him, by his life, by his holiness, by his zeal, and I wanted to model my own priesthood after, after his, as he modeled his after Christ. Now, I certainly have not succeeded. I'm very, very, very far from, from, his, from his holiness, but he remains someone, something of a guiding light for me. And so a few years ago, in 2018 or 19, when I was on my pastoral year in Nampa, I was really grateful to hear that his heart, which is incorrupt, was on tour, so to speak, on pilgrimage around the United States. And he came to Pocatello and to Idaho Falls. And so I made my own little personal pilgrimage over there to pray before his heart. So there are three things that I want to share with you about him or from him, three of his teachings. And that's kind of an ambitious project for a daily mass homily. So I apologize in advance if this goes a little long. And maybe if, if it's going too long, I'll cut the second one and, and just give you the second one as a, as a homework assignment. The first one is a sermon called, Have You Religion in Your Heart? There's a great book called The Sermons of the Curé of Ours. And in this sermon, he entitled it, Have You Religion in Your Heart? And he starts out by, in a sense, calling out his parishioners, by really challenging his parishioners, asking them, how can you be so wavering? On one day, you're really faithful. On the other, you're falling and sinning. And he concludes that by asking this question, how can this be? Unless the religion you have is unreal, a religion of habit, a religion of long-standing custom, and not a religion rooted in the heart. If you've been coming to daily Mass as I've been here, if you've been so unfortunate to hear some of my homilies, you maybe have heard this thread, this theme of the Word of Christ, the seed of Christ, sinking into our hearts. And I didn't make that up. That comes from the saints, especially from John Vianney. He's sometimes remembered for being so austere and so ascetic and with really extreme penances. And that's not the heart, pun intended, of his religion. Okay, so then he goes on, and he says, he concludes by saying, how can you know if your religion has sunk into your heart? And he says, to help you understand this better, I will give you an example. And he gives a story of a young man who was faithful and pious and went to Mass and went to communion regularly and went to confession regularly and helped the priests and helped parishioners and helped people near him. And he had a very good reputation because he did all of these things. But then one day there was a man who was jealous of him. And so he decided to take him down. He decided to ruin his reputation. And so there was a party at 
somebody at a parishioner's in town, a wealthy man, wealthy man's house, and they were all gathered there. And he knew, the jealous man knew that there was a very prized possession, a very prized jewel. And so he went and took this jewel and hid it in the pious man's, the pious young man's backpack. And then he asked the host, Oh, can we see your jewel? Would you show it to us? Knowing that the host would be delighted to do so. And so he goes to get it and he doesn't find it. So he calls everyone's attention and says, no one is leaving my house until this jewel is found. So they search in everyone's belongings and of course they found it in the, in the pious young man's. So immediately everyone started jeering at him, calling him names, and they went on for weeks avoiding him, walking on the other side of the sidewalk when they saw him, continuously calling him names. and and really ostracizing him from the community. Then he asked the question, how do you expect that this young man responded? So here, a point of reflection for us. How do we expect that this young, pious man responded? One who would have religion in his heart. And then maybe a point of reflection for us. How would we respond if we were in a situation like that? Lots of slander and calumny coming towards us. And of course, the, he says that those who, would do, who do not have religion in their heart would storm against religion, they would, scorn, they would scorn and jeer, they would not say their prayers anymore, they would not go to Mass anymore. But the, this young man with religion in his heart went on living his life exactly the same way going to Mass every day, or as frequently, going to communion frequently, going to confession frequently, praying his rosary, making his act of contrition, serving the, his neighbors, serving his priests, the exact same way. So he goes on to explain that the point is not to practice religion in order to gain the esteem of others, but rather to practice religion to give praise and glory to God. That alone is what matters. And if that's happening, if we're doing that, then it doesn't matter what our reputation is. So sinking religion in the heart, sinking the word of Christ in the heart. Now the second thing is the primacy of prayer. And this is the reading from the Office of Readings this morning. Again, he's often remembered for being a a steward and an ascetic and practicing lots of really extreme penances, but when we listen to his teachings, we don't hear him talking about that. We hear him focusing on prayer, on a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with the Lord in prayer. And here is what he said this morning from the Catechetical Instructions. My little children, reflect on these words. The Christian's treasure is not on earth, but in heaven. Our thoughts, then, ought to, be, ought to be directed to where our treasure is. This is the glorious duty of man, to pray and to love. If you pray and love, that is where a man's happiness lies. Prayer is nothing else but union with God. When one has a heart that is pure and united with God, 
he is given a kind of serenity and sweetness that makes him ecstatic, a light that surrounds him with marvelous brightness. In this intimate union, God and the soul are fused together like two bits of wax that no one can ever pull apart. This union of God with a tiny creature is a lovely thing. It is a happiness beyond understanding. We had become unworthy to pray, but God in his goodness allowed us to speak with him. Our prayer is incense that gives him the greatest pleasure. My little children, your hearts are small, but prayer stretches them and makes them capable of loving God. You, maybe you've heard me say that it's not enough for us to just fix our actions. So even in regards to true religion, if we, think, if we thought, oh man, I would have been really distraught if, if my reputation were ruined like that. The antidote is not, oh, okay, I'm just going to change the way I think, the way I act. The antidote is what he's saying here. Prayer stretches them and makes them capable of loving God. Through prayer we receive a foretaste of heaven and something of paradise comes down upon us. Prayer never leaves us without sweetness. It is honey that flows into the soul and makes all things sweet. When we pray properly, sorrows disappear like snow before the sun. Prayer also makes time pass very quickly and with such great delight that one does not notice its length. Listen, once when I was a purveyor in Bresi and most of my companions were ill, I had to make a long journey. I prayed to the good God, and believe me, the time did not seem long. Some men immerse themselves as deeply in prayer as fish in water, because they give themselves totally to God. There is no division in their hearts. Oh, how I love these noble souls. St. Francis of Assisi and St. Colette used to see our Lord and talk to him just as we talk to one another. And the third and last thing is a really short one. It's just a little anecdote from when he was first arriving in Ars, where he spent his entire life. And it, Ars is a small country town, and it may be analogous to Arco or these other small towns around, around Idaho, less than a thousand people when he arrived. But by the time he died, it had become so popular that they had to build a train station in Ars in order to receive all the pilgrims that were coming in and out. They were coming to him to go to confession and to hear his sermons and to receive his spiritual direction. But when he first arrived there, he got lost on his way, and he came across a, a young boy who helped him get to Ars. And so in response, he said, Young boy, you've helped me get to Ars. Now I will help you get to heaven. So in summary of all of this is our responsorial psalm. Remember, it was, as was read, My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, a heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. And if we just remember one, one simple prayer that we can repeat every day, it was the line of the response. Create a clean heart in me, O God. St. John Vianney, pray for us.